Greetings and salutations. Grab your corn nuts, because we're talking about you call this romance on the bagel basket, and we're starting with Heather's. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French clothes. How'd you die? No. How old are you? Because you could be 20-something, but you could also be a teenager. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and we are starting basically toxic relationships all for the month of March, and we're starting with the hardest of hardcore, Heathers. And joining me via, via, oh my God, apparently I'm having a stroke, um, is two people in New York City via Skype. Uh, One of them, wrote a fantastic play called Generation Lazy. The other one is the star of it. I have one of. (laughs) (laughs) Not starring, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Ashley Lauren Rogers and Laura. (laughs) Well, what's so funny? We're doing great. We're doing great. No, no, it's... So, yes. Uh, so, hi. I, I had a Lord whole Rogers. better introduction for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was also going to say, one of them is the host of the podcast, Is It Transphobic? And that would be me, Ashley Lauren Rogers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other one has starred in every single one of my movies that I have ever directed. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's very true. Laura Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Laura Fox. <laughs> so we're basically just whenever we talk, we're going to sign off by saying our name, Ashley Lauren Rogers. And I am Scott Seth. Scott Curlin. <laughs> uh, and I I brought this to you, Ashley. I was like, I want to do Heathers. There's only one person I know who loves this movie as much as I do. Because in high school, we talked about Heathers all the time. <laughs> Because, because when it came out, uh, Mean Girls was coming out, and you're, and you're like, that's just a knockoff of Heather's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Now, especially diving back in, it's like, oh man, all the beats are there, everything's there. It's just like, yeah, yep. it, it's mm-hmm. it's Mean Girls verbatim, like except there's murder in this. I was gonna say, there's no there's no murder or suicide in Mean Girls, right? Um. Uh, Rachel McAdams gets hit by a uh, bus. Okay. And, but she doesn't die. That's the notebook. No, whoa, whoa. <laughs> JK, JK. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Laura, this was your first time watching Heathers? It was, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I realized it came out in 1988, uh, at which point I was four years old. So <laughs> I did not see it, like, in real time. or <laughs> I was popular. two. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, my dad let me see this when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. Were, did you go with your dad? 
No, we it, we got HBO when I was around seven or eight, and it was always on HBO. So I watched this and Buckaroo Banzai, and um, God. the legend the legend of Billy Jean. <laughs> wow. All of these really bad hair eighties movies. So Ashley, how did you come across uh, Heather's? I honestly have no idea. Uh, it may have been on Comedy Central at some point. It's it's just one of those movies that like I saw and I was like, yes, this is amazing. This is so dark. This is exactly what I love. Like this is it. It very. Everyone thought that the guy who directed it, Michael Lerman, Lehman, Lerman, Lehman, um, was going to be the next John Waters, and he was his uh, his follow up movie to this was. Uh, ah! was called Meet the Applegates and it was Stockard Channing as a it was her and Ed Bagley Jr. and they were praying mantis people who were pretending to be humans to take over but they were dressed in 1950s gear and their daughter ends up getting pregnant and becomes a lesbian and their son becomes a stoner and it is the most bizarrest movie and <laughs> and I was like who directed it in the trailers like from the guy who made Heathers I was like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, you know, he he wanted to do the praying mantis people in this one. Actually, Christian Slater was supposed to be a praying mantis person, but they said no, no, maybe for your next film. It's no, funny no. you mentioned that Christian Slater based his performance not off of a praying mantis, but Jack Nicholson, and he wrote he hand wrote a letter to Jack Nicholson asking him and sent him a VHS copy to watch it, and he he said I never got a response. No shit. <laughs> No shit. Yeah. I mean, Christian Slater, it seems like he just based most of his acting choices on Jack Nicholson in general. I just so... think of that critic bit where they do a few more good men. Yes! You you look like me, you act like me, you talk like me, you're me. That's a freaking lie. So yeah, um, do would one of you like to give us a quick synopsis about the plot of the movie? Well, yes. So I I was wondering, Scott, since so there's this hilarious thing when I was talking to Laura, uh, we were talking all about this and Heather's was mentioned. And I said, and Laura, I don't know if you remember this, but you said something to me like, I guess I got to watch Heather's. And it's just like, girl, this is up your alley. What are you talking about? I kind of want to know what. Movie That's why I was like, bring Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Scott, because Scott and I were talking about this uh, because we were talking about Generation Lazy and how I'm doing stuff and how Scott really wanted me on the podcast. And it was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm producing it with Laura. And he was like, wait, bring Laura. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, we're doing Heathers. It's just like, I don't want to watch that. It's like, what movie did you think Heathers was? Karate Kid. I, um, I think I didn't know anything about Heathers. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, I specifically don't want to watch that. It was more like, oh, I have to watch something I've never seen before and be able to like intelligently speak about it. <laughs> that that was my reservation. But it was also really easy to find. It's like everywhere. Like the enti- I think the entire film is on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's also on Amazon Prime. It's on Netflix because the studio who produced it does not exist anymore. Oh, it's like public domain kind of ish <laughs> I mean I guess no one's gonna sue over it <laughs> yet it, it's more like streaming domain because MGM was the com- was the studio 
and they don't really exist anymore and they let their yeah they let their 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 domain lapse so now if you watched it it was like this weird production company <laughs> at the beginning it was like like Otrion instead of Orion it was like a weird <laughs> it was a weird production company i was like i don't think that's real <laughs> i don't remember fgm <laughs> suny <laughs> Sorry, what is Onionversal? I was about to say Yanyaversal. (laughs) (laughs) Poor amount? (laughs) Dosney. Good old Dosney. (laughs) The head of Wall Dosney is... (laughs) So to answer your your question and your request, uh, Heather's is essentially about a woman uh, named Veronica who... Uh, has ascended into a much more like the highest status of popularity in her high school and as such she's kind of figuring out how to how to navigate her old relationships into her new relationships uh, and meets this boy who's played by Christian Slater who's totally not James Dean um, and definitely not and definitely not Jack Nicholson uh, who does all sorts of things that are just like, oh, I'm a bad boy. Look at me. In the beginning, yeah. When when he's like greetings and salutations, like he was so charming, and then he turns into the biggest fucking asshole. Hello, Jason Dean. Greetings and salutations. You a Heather? No, I'm a Veronica Sawyer. This may seem like a really stupid question. And there are no stupid questions. You inherit five million dollars the same day aliens land on the Earth and say they're going to blow it up in two days. What do you do? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. Yeah, he's really got that like um, outsiders thing going on, <laughs> which I was very into. And I was like, oh, he's yeah, he's new to the school. He's like bad boy thing and you know you can tell like veronica didn't really fit in with the heathers and i was like yeah this makes more sense you know it was a yeah it was a good like well, bait and switch she, she didn't even <laughs> fit in with her old friend betty who was played by uh charlie sheen and emilio estevez's sister renee estevez was betty oh you you both made the same face at the same time <laughs> Uh, well you're you're admittedly you're much better at like placing who people are i'm pretty good at like oh i know this person because they're well no i well i i was shocked because i was like she i thought it was uh what's her name from twin peaks i thought it was sherilyn fenn and then i looked it up and i was like there's another estevez (laughs) (laughs) renee the zeppo And what I love about the, 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 and I can't even remember the, it's not James Dean, whatever, Jason Dean. Dean. Mm -hmm. What's it, Jason Dean? His character's name is Jason Dean. I'm just going to call him Jimmy Dean. Uh, (laughs) Good old Jimmy Dean and his sausages. Um, What I loved is they show you right in the beginning, this is a dangerous dude because he pulls a fucking gun on, uh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah fucking swearing he pulls a fucking gun (laughs) i've been swearing the whole time yeah but you know like you never establish you're like wait hey let's establish this what's what's the deal um but yeah so he pulls a fucking gun on the these two jocks that are basically calling him uh i'm not gonna say the word but we just call it the f word on here 
Yeah. Like it starts with an F rhymes with bag. Um <laughs> and like there was so a fa- there was a famous nineties rapper named Shaggy rhymes like with that. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So he pulls a gun on them and shoots. And the immediate conversation afterwards uh, is this whole like, oh, they're only going to suspend him. It's not like he used real bullets. He's yeah, just like you can tell this was the eighties. No. <laughs> this was the eighties. Yeah. And it was a really good way for the audience because what I what I really appreciate about this movie is that it takes what you kind of expect and then sort of twists it in a way that is almost acceptable as a like, oh, this is absurd. Yeah, of course he's going to have a gun. Ha 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 ha. Because it's the 80s uh, into the 90s because it's like late 80s. It was like 89. Right? It was 88. 88. Yeah. So that like 80s into 90s period uh, where everything's sort of subverting what it was. And so it's like, oh, it's just absurd, like an 80s teen movie. But then the more you meet him and the more you see him and the way that he interacts with Veronica and the way that he assists, uh, he basically kind of traps her. Yeah. Like he absolutely has so many things that now, especially if you've ever interacted with abusive people, especially if you know any people who have a history of abuse, you can see these things, but you sort of forgive it because the movie is presenting it in a way that he's almost this like cool person. And it's just like, oh yeah, he's got a gun. And it's like, why? This is kind of terrifying. As I started saying, my wife, uh, Haley was like, Women found Christian Slater to be attractive in the eighties. He's, she's like, he looks like a weasel. <laughs> and I was like, maybe more of a cute ferret. <laughs> he kind of, I, I will say, he reminded me of Sean Hunter in Boy Meets World, which yeah. I was very into. <laughs> um, but yes, he's super manipulative. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh. No, I I just, I I remember the first time I saw that. Uh, I watched this as I said before when I was eight with my dad, and he's like, "Don't do that. See what he did. Ah! Don't do that. Don't do this." Yeah. I will say what cemented his weirdness for me mm-hmm. is when we meet his dad. Oh yeah. That whole conversation and dynamic, I was like, "Oh, these are both sociopaths." Like <laughs> that was when I was yeah. truly freaked out. Did anyone get uh, American Psycho vibe from from the house and from them? Very much so. Yeah. Like, that was... Oh, my God. Like, okay. Because that whole conversation, I'm very sure one of them killed their mother. And again, like... I, it, oh, yeah. It was say, revealed, right? Yeah. He says it's yeah. the dad, but I wonder if it was him. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I... Well, okay. So what I remember is that the the son was sort of blaming the dad for for knowing she was in the building and blowing it up anyway. Right, but he blames everyone else. He blamed uh, Heather Chandler for killing her, uh, for drinking the, the Drano, and he blamed the other guys for wanting to die because they called him the F word. And, like, he's just a sociopath. And, you know, it's weird. This is the second Christian Slater movie we talked about on The Bagel Basket. We did wizard first the wizard with him and fred savage which that that was the same year as this these both came out the same year so you have him being the helpful loving brother and then he's a 
fucking psycho in this. So I also want to throw out, I took notes. Uh, unfortunately, they seem to have been eaten by my phone. So I remember most of them because when you take a note, like at least for me, like I when I take a note, that's me kind of telling my brain, hey, this is probably something to remember. Um, but I'm, it, it won't be as, uh, uh, what do you call it, organized as I wanted it to be. Um, what I really appreciated about this now that I'm kind of analyzing it as opposed to just watching it because it's a great movie um, is how intricate it was. Like it's very, it's very, yeah. Like it's really subtle. Like it's just sort of like, oh yeah, it's like beat for beat. It's a regular old like movie where things escalate and then things turn. But there's so many bits that I wrote down, like, does this mean anything? Like, why is she holding Moby Dick? And it's like, oh, there it is. Uh, And like, even just the fact that they keep calling him, uh, that they keep calling Christian Slater's character and the very clear nerd characters, um, the the, like basically homophobic epithets. uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, homophobic slurs. Um, And then they die in such a way that uh, makes it seem like they were gay lovers and they plant oh, yeah. notes saying, saying they were gay, gay lovers. lovers. Yeah, is so. mineral water gay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, his comment was just that if you're in Ohio and you're not drinking beer, you might as well be gay. Like, that yeah. was the comment. But, no, it's. Mm-hmm. I think all of the murders were specifically mirroring, um, like, the bullying that yeah. the other person had experienced. Um, oh, God. I wanted to say something else. I forget now. Was it about corn nuts? Damn it. I hope it was about corn nuts. It's cool. It's so delicious. We can come back. <laughs> we can come back. As soon as you, as uh, soon as you think of it, just hop on the mic. <laughs> um, Heather Chandler is played by Kim Walker, and so there are two people in this movie who are both in Say Anything: Kim Walker and Lisa Ann Falk, and. Kim Walker, I told you guys this afternoon, I had no idea. She died. She died in 2001. Kim Walker died of a brain tumor, and everyone else, um, Shannon Doherty, she got breast cancer. Winona Ryder had cancer that she overcame. Is this movie cursed? I think Christian Slater is the only one who's fine. Because cause I know Winona Ryder had a scare. She had a cancer scare. So three of three of the four leads. This movie's cursed, guys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, could it not just be age-related? <laughs> she was 32. Kim Walker was 32 when she died. Of, oh, that's really young. And um, Winona Ryder was in her early 40s when she had a, uh, a scare. Um, Shannon Doherty, this was like a couple of years ago. So, so I, I just, I, I think this movie's cursed. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I keep getting Christian Slater and Corey Feldman confused. Oh, yeah. And I know Corey Feldman had like that whole thing with Corey's angels, I, uh, which was a whole thing. I'm uh, so glad he abandoned and I'm so glad that like, I, it sounds like he's getting help. I was on, like, I was on Jukebox Zero's whoo. podcast and we listened yeah. to his album. It is 22 tracks it's two cds and it was the longest two hours of my life and i forgot i listened to it so i had to listen to it again (laughs) wow 
Well, you're welcome for bringing up Corey Feldman in a movie that he's not in. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I can, I can see the Christian Slater, Corey Feldman thing. I can see the River Phoenix, Christian Slater thing because River Phoenix was originally cast. Um, oh. But he he made um, uh, Running on Empty, which he was nominated for an Oscar for. So wait, why why was he not in Heather's? Because he made Running on Empty instead, and he got nominated for an Oscar. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's like, that makes more sense. Um, well, I know he I know passed he... away. I don't remember when. So ninety four. <laughs> he he died in ninety four, and he was about to film Interview with a Vampire, and because he died, Christian Slater, as his friend, took over the role. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and if we're tying it back to. Uh, interview with the vampire Brad Pitt was supposed to be JD in this and he got fired because he was too nice <laughs> by the way welcome to six degrees of interview with the vampire <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got it no. six degrees of Christian Slater <laughs> I love Christian Slater <laughs> Also, I remember what I wanted to say earlier, like five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Go um, for it. I wanted to talk about this, the scenes with Veronica's parents yeah. and how they are like exactly the same <laughs> both times in a very creepy and absurdist kind of way. You, that's you know, that's the whole the John Waters. And the, well, and the di- yeah, the dialogue is like 90% mm. exactly the same. And she treats. I know. I'm trying to remember if we see them anymore, but we definitely see them three times. And as much as I would have loved it if the third time was incredibly similar, like because the third time is different. The third time is when uh, she says that line about like, "Well, I wish I wasn't a human right now" or something. I forget exactly how it went. Uh, forgive me but, for being a human being. Yeah, forgive me for being a human being. Um, and but yeah, the first two times are very much the like, "Why do I like this?" Because you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> And then I got a motor. Yeah. <laughs> the oh my god, the words. So here's the thing. I don't know how much of this was. Eh, let's see if the teenagers will start saying this after this, or how much of it was. No, I have a teenager in this area, and this is how they talk. It Mary. was because the uh, script um, was written by a 21 year old man. I believe it. That's why. Yeah, I'm 21. I'm close enough to a teen, at least as far as a writer goes. Yeah, this is what the kids are saying these days in Ohio. In Ohio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get it. You kids are calling drugs mollies now. That's cool. <laughs> hey, how many of you were Snapchat filtering? I know I am. <laughs> okay, it's funny you bring that up because I I listened or I watched a, a high school performance of Heather's the Musical or a local. Yeah. And and one of the things is they have like the principal say, thank you for coming to the theater. Please turn off all cell phones, which weren't age appropriate in 1988 and didn't exist. No Snapchatting, whatever that is. Like it was it was clearly it was someone's like dad or principal who was just like, oh, well, (laughs) yeah. So I wonder if we can talk since you brought up the the, the musical because I've never seen it, um, but I did start listening to the music because I was like, all right, let's let's take a look at this. Like, have you two actually heard or seen the musical? Uh, I watched that high school production of it. Um, so so uh, yeah, 
it's all right. They get rid of Betty. There's no Betty. It's just Martha oh. Dumptruck. Well, they, yeah, I was going to say they, they combined Betty and um, a, Martha Dumptruck. Mar- Martha, yeah. Martha. Save Martha. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to it either, but I, I, it's funny because I knew about the musical before I knew about the movie. <laughs> and I also know that Mean Girls is a musical now. Mm-hmm. And so there's yeah. that. Full circle. <laughs> Well, so I listened, uh, specifically, I listened to the West End recording. I don't know why I listened to that one and not the original cast recording, but I listened to the West End recording uh, today. Uh, today. Oi, oi, we're Heathers. <laughs> <laughs> Heathers? Yeah, no, uh, they, they do have flawless American accents. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's good, honestly. So here's the thing. The music is solid. It's very well told. But it does not necessarily do a very good job of um, getting past the curse of the fact that it's based on another piece of material. And I know that they have to create their own thing and they got to do their own with it. But like, I felt kind of like I wanted more because especially with the music in the movie is so like 80s riffic with the beats. But then there's also this ethereal aspect to it and like really great use of pan flute. (laughs) Like. Yeah, th- th- yes, there's there's a very um, almost like film, well, film score thing, you know, happening. But I mean, I guess what I mean is like it, it's very like horror sounding, uh, the, the music, which I really liked. Yeah. I thought I thought it was weird that they created a fake band called, what, what were they called? Big Fun? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what. Yes. Yep. That's the, su- the Suicide Pact. Right, that they got that they got everyone to (laughs) to sign. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved. Yeah. Like I also absolutely loved the whole commentary on how people tend to uh, capitalize and people tend to uh, uh, over like put a lot onto the tragedy and death of youth, Mm -hmm. and just that idea of like taking that and making it mine or like oh like this person because they died oh this person was great this person was a saint i used to love seeing them and it's just like that person like pantsed you in the third grade and you've never forgotten that when on writer like, says that she she says when um someone uh the girl who she got into a fight with earlier in the day she's like you didn't even know her <laughs> like right. yeah and can we talk about the fact that they get away with it? So Christian Slater and Winona Ryder go on this killing spree. It's mainly Christian Slater. She's just an accomplice. Um, but they go on this killing spree. Uh, they kill Heather Chandler first, and then the two guys who called him gay uh, in a horrible way of calling someone gay. But they get away with it because apparently Winona Ryder is a really good, like, her X-Men power is that she can mimic someone's handwriting. Handwriting! I know! I love that! Like, what? what is this town and who are these police who are like, yeah, this is a suicide note. No need to check for fingerprints or, like, foul play or anything. Yeah. <laughs> there are two people who are near the scene of the crime, but they're boning, so... Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was a brilliant way to avoid being questioned. <laughs> We're busy having sex in the car. It's like, oh, sorry, officer. Can't answer your questions about that murder. I'm too busy getting it on. Like, also... Those cops were high. Yeah, so also, yeah, the cops were high. <laughs> the cops were high. The cops were so high. These are 80s uh, cops. But also, one of them definitely would have been played by Paul Shear today. 
<laughs> and the other one would be played by Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Oh, I I I would watch that. I would watch. Or would Jason Manzukis. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. There's like no. Yeah. There's no investigation. Nope. Whatsoever. And and then yeah, like every every death is t- totally romanticized after. And Veronica's like the only realistic person who's like. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> they were still terrible, even though it's sad they're gone. And part of that is because she murdered them. But oh. like, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So she she yeah. only murders one person. Like, oh. but the the amount of time it takes her to realize that he's not kidding, he wants to kill right. people, is a little too long. <laughs> it takes her a little too long to catch up. Um, she thinks. They're just gonna shoot and trank the guys because he says these are German bullets. They're blanks, right, right. That are trank Well, and I think I think this is where them having him shoot them in the first couple of scenes was actually incredibly effective because he's shown that he can use blanks in the past. And then she's like, Oh, well they're gonna be blanks, right? And he's like, Oh no, no, but you know, they're gonna be like some German word that I'm making up, like go and sleep and uh i forget exactly what he called them it's, but like i remember it's yeah. ikluga and it means oh, it means i lie <laughs> oh crap okay yeah. no yeah i don't i don't speak any german so it's just like oh yeah ikluga um and i don't speak german either yeah <laughs> so thank you laura um but yeah, so that whole thing was like, oh, well, yeah, he knows what he's talking about because he's done this before, even though that was not a good thing. <laughs> like, so I, I bought it. <laughs> the amount of time she trusts him, and not just that, she sleeps with him after knowing him for a day. Like, she goes to that party, the college party, where the guy tries to playfully force himself on her by talking. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, come on, please. (laughs) But then, like... Save the speeches from Malcolm X. Just like... God, that line. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, that scene itself is is bagel basket worthy. (laughs) Like, like, uh, I, I don't understand that character at all. And I think that character was played by the director, but I'm not 100% positive. Yeah, one of those guys at the college was played by the the director, I think. Yeah, and that whole that whole scene is one that I again like. It is very eighties riffic. It's that idea of like, oh, we're we're high schoolers and we're gonna go to a college party, and you know, yeah, like I'm not gonna sit there and say high schoolers don't try and go to parties and things that uh, they probably shouldn't be at, but at the same time, I feel like the fact that it was tackled in the way that it was was a very 80s thing it's like oh yeah we're gonna go to a party and then like it just felt creepier to me now than it did when i first watched it that they were like oh yeah like and especially that whole like oh it's so nice to talk to someone where i don't have to ask them what their major is and then immediately says (laughs) what will you major in when you go to college because he has nothing else to talk about (laughs) and yeah he like yeah um and just that whole dynamic of like oh they're really excited because they know that they're underage even though and it's just like "Mm -hmm." once again this is a very different time because the amount of like toxicity in these people like when heather goes you were so rude to him 
well, he was trying to force himself on her and she didn't want that. So what the hell is wrong with you? And then Heather's like, I'm going to ruin you. I will say like Veronica, I thought was surprisingly a feminist role, especially for that time. And considering the rest of the movie, because Heather was so kind of like, we should go back to the party. And he was like, no. And she was like, all right. You know what I mean? So she was very complicit in like, you know, feeling like she had to go along with what the frat dude wanted. But, you know, Veronica was like, I have a speech prepared. And she was like really good about like standing up for herself and like getting out of, you know, bad situations, which like really surprised me. Come on. Come on now, like I don't feel so good, okay? Just do it on the coats will be excellent, huh? <laughs> you know, I have a little prepared speech I tell my suitor when he wants more than I'd like to give him. Gee, like I had a really nice See the speeches from Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. You don't deserve my fucking speech. Her her Aaron Sorkin speech that she tries to give. Yeah. I wanted to hear the whole thing. I was kind of sad that uh, <laughs> that guy. Were you going to jump into the screen and be like, "Finish, go on"? Right. Yeah. Reclaiming my time. She's like, <laughs> I just have visions of like him falling asleep, and then like she still was able to finish, but it's like, oh well, goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, um, how how did she get sick? Like I don't understand how she was sick. Because just from drinking the beer, I think. Well, I was wondering, did he put something in her drink? See, that I I wasn't sure if she just had a lot of beer or if she was drugged. Um, I think she was drugged. The more I was watching it, the more there was a lot of behavior from them that felt very like she may have been drugged. Um, I don't think that she either she didn't have a lot of it and like enough for it to take too much of an effect, but it definitely had a huge physical effect on her or puking Um, it up. Yeah. Puking it up. Um, there, there are actually a couple. So there are a couple of things I asked, uh, uh, my wife, Diana, who is studying, uh, who's taking an EMT class. Uh, I want to bring this up because when, uh, the first Heather dies, uh, because yeah, yeah. Because she drinks Drano and I think like some other things that are just nasty. Uh, a that whole thing felt very forced, but sure, I'm I'm going along with the conceit that yep, she needs to drink it in order to die. Um, but one of the things I asked Diana because she was in the room while I was watching it, she goes, "I said like, hey, so is that what would really happen? Like, is that like did?" And she was like, "Well, I mean, Hollywood always speeds things up, but she would also be puking, and honestly, she would probably die from choking on her own vomit. And then if she fell through that glass table, there's a chance that it could lacerate, especially if she fell head first. Uh, glass could go, like shards could go in her eyes, and like, yeah, no, I know that this is exactly what people come to when they think of writer's bagel basket, but yeah, that is uh." That is the real life how she probably would have died. But the thing that was real is uh, like we were obviously we've heard a lot about Tide Pods and the real danger is that stuff can if you ingest it uh, and you ingest too much of it too quickly, then it will affect you that quickly. Um, There is still a certain amount of like speeding up that happened. But yeah, like so that was okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, I will say when she fell through the, the glass table. There was not a mark on her. Like when when they had the open casket, she looks flawless. She looks beautiful. And to to answer what you said, when people listen to Writer's Bagel Basket, they're expecting dick and fart jokes. That's all. (laughs) Oh, we need. Where's the bagels? (laughs) I 
was promised carbohydrates. <laughs> Too bad. Now dick and fart jokes. <laughs> oh, those don't taste nearly as good. <laughs> There we go. I think we've I think we've reached the quota. That's good. Thanks so much for having us, Scott. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, did this feel like a Tim Burton movie in addition to like a John Waters? Because there were a lot of people who are in Tim Burton movies, like the guy who was the 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 reverend or the priest, or is the guy who was in Beetlejuice, uh, Winona Ryder, obviously. Like this felt like almost a Tim Burton movie. I think there's there's something very very specific with Tim Burton style that I would say I would not necessarily say yes, but definitely had that kind of energy and definitely had that kind of like, but just from a, a visual style, not so much, but definitely like the the casting choices, like you said, uh, as well as sort of the tone. Uh, I feel like if it was a Tim Burton movie, the tone would be a little bit more on the the comedy and like the like. I'm Veronica and I'm sad, but here I am. Um, but but that's my. So that's my she's Lenora played by Catherine O'Hara in this version. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey. I would watch the hell out of that. Well, you know that if this was a Tim Burton movie, her dad would be played. Uh, her mom would be played by Catherine O'Hara, and her dad would probably be played by. I don't want to say because. He's a monster. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Oh, yeah, you're talking about, uh, I can't think of his name, but the guy that was... Jeffrey uh, that Jones. Was, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's some Googling. Um, he, yeah, I... Just to kind of talk about that. Not that he was in this movie, because he wasn't. Uh, but, yeah, he was caught with uh, child pornography, no. like a lot of it. And, yep, nope, fuck that guy. He's, yeah, he's been in a lot of your favorite movies, and... I think Now you can't those, watch them anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, yes. Like, if you can't, don't. There is a thing where it's like, okay, like, I can still watch some of them, but at the same time, there is that specter of, like, mm, that fucking guy. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. I would actually, I, um, the vibe I got watching it was like more like David Lynch, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It fits into that. It's fits very Twin that. Peaksy. Um, mm-hmm. John Waters, too. I can see very John Waters, but... Uh, I need to talk about I love my dead gay son. If there's any way you can hear me, Kirk, buddy. I don't care that you really were some pansy. You're my own flesh and blood, and no, you made me proud. My son's a homosexual, and I love him. I love my dead gay son. Oh, yeah. The 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 yeah. funeral scenes are fantastic, but when they bury when they bury both what were their names? Uh, Kurt and Ram. Ram. I I was like Rags. Ram. Was yep. it Rags? <laughs> Razor. Um. Yeah, Kurt and Ram. Uh, why are they both wearing their helmets? <laughs> I know. Football for life, man. <laughs> They're wearing these nice suits. Very seriously, including into the grave. Yeah, they're wearing they're wearing their helmets and they're wearing these nice black suits. Right. And they had a they had a toy football on their chest. Oh yeah, was it a toy? I thought it was a full size football. It might have been a real football, but it was like bright red. So okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was yeah. that because they were gay? I don't 
think so. I think they, given, okay, so let's get into this. Uh, but given the way that they portray their understanding of homosexuality, uh, I feel very strongly that they would have made them pink if they were going for that. Uh, red is probably some other thing that I just didn't pick up on. But yeah, so basically they're they're creating this package so that it's very clear to whoever finds them that like if even if they don't read the the note, they'll know these two were in love, uh, including <laughs> what was the picture? It was uh, I know it was uh, the person from uh, Mommy Dearest. <laughs> it was uh, Joan uh, Crawford. Joan Crawford. Crawford. Yep, picture Joan Crawford. That's what all the gay people love. Uh, <laughs> mineral water, as we stated. Was, it wasn't even Joan Crawford. It was it was Faye Dunaway oh. as Joan Crawford. Ah! Oh, oh, so they so they included the mommy dearest photo. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even Joan uh, Crawford. It was Faye Dunaway as Joan. Crawford. The other things that they included were mascara. Okay, and. I think at one point, one of them said, oh, well, one of them, like, I, I think it was Christian Slater's character said, well, one of them will be wearing a dress. And it's like, what? Why? What? And then that didn't come to fruition. And I might have misheard something. And I'm trying to be like, D- no. did that happen? Like, no, his whole thing was, um, if you're drinking mineral water instead of carrying a beer, you might as well be wearing a dress. Oh, that okay. was the line. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm conflating a couple of those things then. Uh, but nonetheless, that still folds into my point which as scott introduced uh i am the creator of the is it transphobic podcast um scott introduced and we steamrolled uh so i would say this definitely has that sort of flavor of trans is gay male um understanding that is absolutely not true but is absolutely a part of a lot of 80s cis hetero written cinema uh, and even queer hetero er, queer hetero cis, <laughs> cis queer cinema uh is that conflation of homosexual male and trans woman as one and drag queen and trans woman as one um and drag queen as cis gay male as one uh and so that's there i don't think it's egregious but at the same time it's like well the only vaguely homosexual characters you've got are these two dudes who are not actually gay and who are forcing other people to say that they're gay so that they can laugh at them. So I will so. say I will say that I did love when they're trying to get the nerdy kid to say that line. I'm if I can find the clip I'll put it in like, there. Say, yeah, say you love eating big dicks and he's like, okay, you love eating big dicks. <laughs> Cut it out. Say I like to suck big dicks. Leave him alone, Ram. Ow! Say it! Say it! Okay, okay. You like to suck big dicks. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah, And, and so my thoughts with I love my dead gay son. I think that is... There is good and there is bad. Right, I was thinking that too. Good, okay. So let me let me hear your thoughts and then I'll talk a little bit more as well as someone who does a lot of like queer theory and queer analysis. Okay, how he words it and how abrasive it is, like I don't understand and like that is toxic. And that is mm. just 80s culture coming through. Mm. But how understanding he is right away 
that right there is a little beautiful. <laughs> but other than that, There's... leading up to it is just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Laura, I'll let you yeah. talk too. Before we get the official analysis, I want to add my ignorant uh, analysis. My cis hair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I heard that, I truly, th- I was like, this is so absurd that he's saying it ironically. Like, I really thought, you know, oh, that's how, how I took it. He was like, I love my dead gay son. Like, like I'm so, like, he had, n- you know, no experience, no um, context, you know, for, you know, he, he didn't see it coming because, you know, he wasn't probably actually gay. <laughs> right, right. Like, never saw it coming, grief stricken, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, and says the most ignorant, like, <laughs> thing possible that was my hot take yeah yeah i mean for me and i think that this is a very realistic response that a lot of people have when they lose a child especially when they find out in losing them that they are queer or uh if they've come out and the two parties have not reconciled before the passing uh is to immediately show support because they don't have that. They don't have that moment of reconciliation in their life. Uh, And so that, honestly, I felt very much like the actor was playing it very real. Very like, I had no idea this was a thing. Oh my God. But then also with that, A, there are no queer characters out in the movie. uh, And B, uh, so we don't get to see that positive queer representation. We only get to see like, oh, these people weren't, but ha ha ha, now they're dead and they're thought to be gay. Ha ha ha. Um, but but also that whole scene, it, it would have been like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if he would have reacted to that way if the, the child did come out as gay. Uh, yeah. Like, and he was still alive. Um, I don't know. He may have, but it was very much a like, uh, I'm glad that he's found reconciliation, but at the same time, he's found reconciliation with someone who's not alive. And that's in, and it, it's one of those things. It's like, why can't we save our queers? Like, come on, like, come on. I got to add like, something to that. It just made me think of like his speech reminded me of, um, do you remember the Simpsons when they had uh sideshow Bob's brother where they did the Fraser cross, yes. the two, the two hillbillies. All I could think of is, when he goes, he's gone to heaven, Mr. Trewilliger. He's going to be playing with dogs in heaven. So, like, like the dad was like, oh, him and his boyfriend are going to be gay in heaven now. Aww. <laughs> that, that, that's what his speech felt like to me. Like, he was like, oh, they've gone to heaven. Because this is clearly a very devout, religious, they never say whether they're Christian or Catholic or, or uh, non-denominational, whatever it is. Uh, Unitarian. Um, they never say what it is, but they're very religious in this town. So you know they believe that there is some sort of afterlife, especially in Winona Ryder's daydream. Mm-hmm. Um, because Heather shows up, she's like, I'm in heaven and it's boring. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, so... On the whole, I did really, like, I don't think that that ruined anything for me. And and if anything, it's still, like, it's still got strength. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, nope, it's not, it's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. But there is that, having that moment of, I love my dead gay son is still, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's still, it's still a good moment for me, at least for me. But the analysis, the analysis doesn't lie. That doesn't mean it's not fraught with problems. 
Can I, can I just want to piggyback on that and yeah. say, I think it's, it's an easier thing, right, to love and forgive, you know, if, if you will, or reconcile is the word that you used, um, with your son coming out when you don't, because he's dead, right? And yeah. you don't have to actually deal with it on a daily basis or, you know, deal with mm-hmm. like bullying in real life or the, you know, actual complications that would, that would happen and he would have to face. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's a lot easier to defend someone, right? When you don't mm-hmm. have to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is absolutely in line with what they're going for with all of the like, oh, you know, now that they're dead, exactly. oh, this was a good person. This was a, it's like, yeah, like it's so much easier to accept this person in death. And even what, what were the things that the cops said? And I wrote them down because they said something. One of them said, oh, uh, the the quarterback was buggering the the linebacker. I don't remember what he was, but the quarterback is buggering the linebacker. Oh, what a waste, dude! What are you talking about? What a waste! Like, what is what? What? Like who? Like now? Here's the thing. It's what not is that good a waste? if a woman says that about a gay man, a trans person, et cetera, et cetera, because that's got some bullshit to it. But like when a assumedly cis straight man says about a gay man oh what a waste what the fuck does that mean (laughs) like what now now you just let me down a rabbit hole that i i don't even yeah my brain hurts yeah it's just like what what like and that's the thing if it was a woman it would not be good but i would understand it like what are they saying is it like what like okay do you think i wasn't thinking this before but do you think they're trying to imply that that the cops were gay i hmm dun 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 i my gut says no but i'm thinking about it i don't know like because i think hmm my gut's saying no too because of how into watching christian slater and and uh winona rider bone like (laughs) yeah that was weird that's true that was weird which i will say you know you can be gay and watch straight porn you can be straight and watch gay porn uh and that does not stop you from being that so this could be a thing but at the same time i don't think that the writer was going down that far into like okay well maybe like they're totally doing it but they're also like totally into watching other people do it regardless of who they are like yeah it's like no no they're that writer's not thinking about that that positively (laughs) now i need to talk about how their relationship turns because this is a toxic relationship and we're talking about like even though she breaks it off with him they still have this ike and tina like love story going on and this is they they advertise it all of the posters if you look at the posters it's it's Mm -hmm. christian slater Mm -hmm. and her spooning against a blackboard like this love story is such bullshit. Yes. Like, it happens so fast. She makes a bad choice, but she is never called out on it. Well, he's... He, I, I feel like he's manipulative from the very beginning, and he's so good at being like, oh, you deserve better than these friends. Like, your friends are really your enemies, and, like, you shouldn't... You know, you shouldn't stand for that, and you shouldn't take that treatment. And she's kind of like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she... Yeah, she gets sucked into that, Um and, you know, I think part of that is is based in truth. Like, yeah, they're not good friends to her, but do they deserve to die? No. <laughs> and um, and even in the first, but and what, even in, yeah, go ahead. 
what you just brought up just reminded me of the the John Mulaney bit of uh, him talking about his wife pointing out they shouldn't be treating you that way. No, they shouldn't. Right? Exactly. I love John Mulaney. The way she she is manipulated by Christian Slater is like, yeah, they shouldn't be talking that way to you. No, they should not be talking that way. We should kill them. Wait, what? Right. Well, but also, so I really don't think that. I really feel like she she was kind of tricked in 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 the first in the first murder of the first Heather. she you know he's like oh Drano blah 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 and she's like no no we just want to make her throw up to get back at you know making me throw up and she continues to make her separate drink she makes she mixes the orange juice and the milk into a mug and at the same time he's making his cocktail and she takes his by accident or they they both are taken or whatever but it ends up being the Drano that's given to to Heather so that I you know do feel she was completely like blindsided by but then okay so what was the was the next one the football players yeah Yeah. and then I think she's still yeah I think she still was like they're blanks right yeah like this will be a fun prank blah 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 but and then yeah go ahead no oh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh but yeah, but she still wants to be with him even after he's killed three people. Well, well, there's there's in a lot of um, abusive relationships that is absolutely a thing. Uh, you, uh, the the person that is experiencing the abuse, wants to go closer to the person that's abusing them. Uh, and while he's not hitting her, he's not physically assaulting her. He is absolutely manipulating her, and he's absolutely being abusive to her in very small ways and very subtle ways. Uh, and I think that they thread that really well. And as a result, uh, it's something that I think that it's just, I think it's very well done in that way in showing that kind of abuse. Laura. Well, and at the same time, he's, he's the, he's the only person being like, you deserve better treatment. You know what I mean? He's very much in her head as an ally and, you know, yeah whereas her other friends are are bullies and so it makes sense to me that she's like yeah even though he's doing bad things to other people he's still treating me better than everyone else in my life and i think the moment that really changes for me because i know that we talked about the the meeting the father and seeing how they are but the moment that turned for me was a like i was trying to figure out why she was trying to burn her hand earlier and then i'm realizing that it's a a bit of self-harm that she's doing to herself uh when she takes the the cigarette lighter and burns her own hand but then his immediate response is to take a cigarette and light it on her hand and that to me was the moment that i was like no this person is like there are bits that i'm seeing this person is toxic but this person is actively trying to use you and does not care how hurt you get in the process. And that was fascinating. And when she hangs herself, I'm saying in quotation marks, he even admits that he was going there that night to kill her and, mm-hmm. and that she did it him, herself. And he's like, but I loved you, but I wanted to kill you. And like that right there is just like a, a, weird manson family yes for this for for this sick and twisted person it seems very much that like love and death are intertwined right Mm -hmm. 
And I think it started with his mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is all I have to say. I, I swear to you, this. To yeah, I swear to you, this movie is funny. <laughs> it really is. Like, oh, it, it really is. It like, is, but yeah. it's an incredible film. There's a yeah. lot of layers. There's a lot to unpack. It's not just dark and funny. It's like <laughs> very much like my play, Generation Lazy. <laughs> so, so. Let's wrap up with this and let's go into that. Uh, so, yep. so the movie ends with, with him about to blow up the school. She basically gets him to blow himself up. And then she hangs out with the fat girl who is being mean at the end. <laughs> the the fat girl who uh, people were, were being mean to. Who I actually saw someone uh, cosplay as Martha Dumbtruck in the Rascal Scooter uh, at at a convention where I was supposed to interview the nice Heather, Lisa uh, and Falk, um, but she never showed up. But uh, I high-fived that that girl so hard. I was like, oh my God, you're Martha Dump Truck. And she's like, finally, someone got it. <laughs> um, I don't know why she is the monarch from Venture Brothers. But uh, so, yeah, I just, I love the ending. I love how she just goes to hang out with this girl who's being bullied. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that is like a full circle for Win- Winona Ryder's character, right? Because it's like she finally comes back to choosing friends, you know, choosing to be friends with people who are good for her, yeah. right? Like, because you, you're right. Like, she didn't really fit in with Betty anymore. She had kind of outgrown Betty, but she definitely didn't fit in with the Heathers. And Martha is like, okay, like, this is where I should be. This is my middle ground. This is my healthy uh, relationship. Uh, I would have... I would have loved for her to invite Betty too, and just like yeah, because Betty would have. I think that they needed to. So, so and this is a big thing, especially with like a lot of um, narratives about young female friendships. Is a lot of the turn is, oh, we're not friends anymore. Why aren't we friends? Maybe I should try harder. Okay, I'm trying harder, and bad things are happening. And that's not necessarily what is going on in Heather's, but it's very much in that vein. Uh, and I did not, like, I grew up uh, basically living uh, my high school, my middle school and high school years uh, pretending to be male. And that didn't work. But I I definitely experienced that a little bit. And I have heard from a lot of other uh, people who grew up female that, yes, actually, that's like a very big thing is at some point you and your friends kind of drift away and some you kind of try harder to to hold on to others. You just need to let go away. But it's it's a very like core thing of why why don't I connect with this person anymore? Yeah. Growing pains. Definitely. I will say. I, yeah, I went through this with most of my friends. I still am only friends with like three people I went to high school with. But yeah, I remember like through every stage of school, it was like I sort of, you know, watched the, the people I had been friends with in elementary school become the cool kids and become the jocks. And I was like, oh, no, because I never wanted to be that. You know, I knew I was a theater kid. I knew I was a nerd. Like I wanted to be good at school. I wanted to be smart. And this is also Heather's related, but I watched, you know, the girls that I grew up with pretend to be dumb to get guys to like them. And I was just like, I refuse to do that. <laughs> that is some bullshit. <laughs> um, so anywho. Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Down with the patriarchy. Oh, can I ask you a question, Scott? Um, why no. did you choose Heather's? Like, was there a specific theme or topic or reason why you wanted to look at this film 
though? Yeah, it was because all of March is toxic relationships. Ah, okay, okay. You um, so la- last month we did like love stories. So we did like Warm Bodies and Titanic. Um, this month we're doing Heather's. <laughs> we're doing uh, High Fidelity, 500 Days of Summer. Um, and like it's just exploring toxic relationships that they're trying to masquerade as love stories in Hollywood. And it's just, why would you do that? Like, why, why would you idolize these people? Like, I understand why they did it with films like the notebook and Titanic and, and even a film that is a horror comedy, like warm bodies. That's actually a kind of sweet love story, but, but making light of something terrible, like abusive relationships is not cool and the fact that they make light of teen suicide where um actually in our school we actually had someone who committed suicide there's nothing funny about it and like to to, the way they handle it is actually kind of appropriate it's yeah like they the only thing that i don't necessarily like about it is they kind of create a narrative that because they're talking so much about suicide other people are considering it which I'm not saying isn't doesn't have a a, a sliver of a sliver of truth to it that maybe some people weren't thinking about it uh, until they're faced with it uh, and they see it but at the same time it, it almost felt like because they were talking about it, the narrative would have been, okay, we need to stop talking about it. We need to stop making things about it. Uh, we need to stop making people aware that this is a thing that is happening and this is a thing that people uh, are, are doing and are considering. Um, and I don't know that we get a narrative that does actually show... Like, the, the, the only one I can think of is when Winona Ryder stops uh, the other Heather from swallowing all the pills um and that's that is one um, of the best scenes in the entire movie yeah but but even then it's one person stopping uh, basically stopping another person as opposed to something else but i'm, I'm sorry but laura you oh yeah. well i just wanted to bring up there's that like guidance counselor or mm. teacher mo- when, when the teachers first have a meeting after the first heather's mm-hmm. death and there's this one of the teachers i think it's the guidance counselor she's like we should have a dialogue and let everyone talk about their feelings and like she tries to stand up for it and and hold something official and she is immediately shot down and dismissed by the principal but then but then oh were were you shot okay so well when in high school when that happened when a student actually committed suicide they tried to do that and uh, one of the kids who was really close with that person said, "No, this I, we don't want to talk about it right now. Don't don't yeah. do it right away. Give us a couple of days. Give us a week. We don't want to discuss this." That would have been more realistic, but at the same time, who am I to say I'm just a douchebag but, podcaster? <laughs> no, no, no. But but it is also a thing that. Um, it's it's listening to the community when something hits your community. It's seeing what the community needs are. And if there are individuals that differ, finding ways to help those individuals, but talking to the community and finding out. But but also, the the big thing is when she does get her way, because the, the hippie-ish guidance counselor person um, 
does get their way and the whole point was she's bringing cameras in she's having other people so she becomes the focus as opposed to focusing on helping people who are dealing with the fact that their friends are dead and feeling with dealing with these facts so there and i think that they do a good job with that because that is something that people do but i wish there was more of a positive afterward and I don't, maybe I'm expecting too much from a movie from the 80s, but they did so much good. Uh, that's the only aspect I think that they really fell short on. Yeah, so as we come to the end of this, we have a scale. So instead of 1 to 10, 10 being best, 1 being the worst, it's a baker's dozen. 13 is the best, 1 is the worst. It is literally a bagel basket. So out of 13 bagels, how many are you taking out? What is your number that you would give this movie? Just to be clear, yeah. taking out or putting into the basket? So there's already 13 in. <laughs> All right, so there's already 13 in. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is this rating based on? Just ov- overall I really hate bringing. Or? I hate bringing up when I was at The Daily Show, but when I was at The Daily Show, we had to bring them a bagel basket every morning, and there was a baker's dozen, and if... If they were in the zone and writing really great jokes, all thirteen would stay in. Like, like we would come back and take it and. Oh, I see. If it was like a slow, bad day, everything was missing. <laughs> so, so if this is bad, there are no bagels in this basket. If it's good, there are thirteen bagels. If it's eh, there's probably like seven or eight. I feel like there's so many ways I could rate this because as a movie that as a movie that I loved and enjoyed, I would leave all 13 bagels in. But if we're rating it on like toxic relationships, <laughs> then I'd leave like half the bagels. It's all for you, Damien. It's all for you. Seven bagels. <laughs> yeah. I, I would go about, uh, I would leave 10 bagels in. I think that there are some moments that I definitely had to pause and there are some moments that I definitely had to kind of say like, well, I don't know if this holds up anymore. This is a little dated. Um, so I probably would have taken about three bagels out. Uh, but yeah, most of them would stay in. Yeah, I'm taking out four. There's nine left um, because there's three Heathers and one Veronica. That's literally why I'm doing it. Um, but Here we go. But let's talk about your play, Generation Lazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have a few minutes before you have a heart out. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I s- so um, basically, I've started working on Generation Lazy about 10 years ago uh, when George W. Bush was president. And we started getting a lot of these articles stating that uh, millennials are killing business X. So, as you know, like millennials are killing napkins. Millennials are killing diamonds. Millennials are killing personal submarines. Uh, that is and- our fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The personal submarine business is dead and good it can stay buried um as much as i love my own personal submarine um and i just remember seeing those and thinking to myself i'm working three jobs how the hell am i like taking all this time out of my life to murder these industries and how is it that i cannot stay afloat and yet people are still telling me that i should be spending more money and like i i remember even a moment where uh and i i had to i had two pairs of underwear and i just could not 
purchase any more for an extended period of time because I just did not have money. Uh, and so I wrote this play uh, because, of course, I had to write a screwball comedy. Um, but it's about a woman named Margaret Chatterley who has three jobs, is paid for two of them hourly, and uh, lives in a tent in her parents' backyard and is convinced that she's dying. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's changed a lot over the years and uh, Laura Fox came into this because uh, we did a couple of readings in my apartment and I started bringing Laura into that uh, and then uh, during that period Laura was living elsewhere and then eventually moved to New York and we brought her in to read for Charlene uh, the character that she's going to be playing uh and charlene i'll let you talk a little bit more about charlene um but yeah actually i'll hand this over to you now okay um yeah so i guess i've been involved with two different staged readings of the play over the years uh i played charlene both times and i love everything that ashley writes i'm like her biggest fan and i love being involved with anything that she does i always know it's going to be a great time and like yeah i always know it's going to be a good experience um and so after the the last reading we did of it, I was like, so what's like, what are your plans of doing a full, you know, fully staged production of this? Like, has this ever happened? And she's like, no. And if it doesn't happen soon, like I might have to stage it. And I was like, OK, well, that's not an option. So <laughs> um, so I uh, yeah, I was like, what can I do to kind of help you? make this happen and she was like will you help me produce it and I was like I've never done that okay <laughs> I don't know what that involves so we started You're working on it. Um, yeah uh over the fall basically we started you know looking into how to make that happen and um yeah and now it is all coming to fruition yes yeah. Yeah, we had a meeting with The Tank, who, if you're not familiar with, is an amazing organization out here in New York City. Uh, they basically offer you free performance space, uh, the use of their lighting equipment, uh, as well as other perks that you talk to them about. And if they're able to offer it, they're basically, they want new theater to happen uh, in the city. Their big thing is you just have to see a show with them. So if you come see Generation Lazy, you qualify to be able to do a show at The Tank. Um, and we had a meeting with them. They were very interested. They gave us some dates. Those dates are April 9th through the 12th, uh, which is a Tuesday through Friday uh, at 8 p.m. And we're really excited. It's going to be really good. April 9th through the 12th, 8 p.m. Tickets are $15 now. And if you buy them at the door, they'll be $18. So you save a little bit of money now. And where can they buy that? What's the website? Ah, just go to generationlazy.com. Do you guys have social media that you want to plug? Oh, yes. We, we do. We have a Facebook page. It's Generation Lazy. We also have an Instagram, which is Generation Lazy. Generation with the underscore, underscore Generation underscore Lazy mm -hmm. Instagram. And um, Wait, there was already a Generation say, Lazy <laughs> no underscore? You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Um, I do, I would like to take this time to clarify that millennials are from 1981 to 1996 <laughs> because we, yeah, we, we've, we've been sharing a lot of millennial related content on our social media pages and it's just like kind of, yeah, it's just gotten laughable at this point where they're like, Every, anyone now who's a teenager or in their twenties is a millennial. And it's like, no. <laughs> 
it's basically for people who don't want to feel old and say young people these days they just say millennial and at this point maybe that's how language works because language is dictated by how it's used which millennial came from the whole idea of we are the first generation to experience the millennium as adults um but at the same time well i guess that's just become the catch-all so maybe that'll be the definition young people that old people don't like millennial <laughs> so if i if i am a millennial and because i collect vinyl and movies i'm technically a hipster does that mean i can get an old-timey big wheel bike and open up my own freeze-dried ice cream shop yeah in fact i encourage you to do that <laughs> and grow a handlebar mustache yes why haven't you because i can't grow facial hair i end up looking like a bad guy from like a disney movie <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to see that too, though. That's I'm, I'm kind of prove it, prove it. <laughs> so yeah, um, do you each have social media that you want people following you on? Yeah, so you can follow me. Uh, so you can find me very easily at ashleylaurenrogers.com or ashleyrogersplays.com. Uh, there you can find out a lot of my other productions, uh, as well as uh, if you need a manuscript read uh, for sensitivity read about queer issues, specifically trans non-binary issues, uh, you can contact me there. You can also find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, and then the number four. Great. Um, and yeah, my website is larafox.com. It's L-A-R-A-F-O-X, like the animal, dot com. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, my my fan page is Lara Fox actor, singer, weirdo. <laughs> so you're in the right place if you've found that. Um, and my Instagram is foxlara. And if you, the listener, aren't listening to Is It Transphobic, you should be, because there are so many great episodes. One of my favorite is actually the Orville episode. Um, yeah. Because I actually like this show, The Orville, because I hate the new Star Trek, and the, the Orville, I feel, is the Star Trek that people wanted. Um, but I hear they went back to the trans, um, to the, 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 the trans basket, and I have to watch the fucking show again i hate that show anyway do you um i do i can't stand the orville oh, okay. um i've only watched like three episodes but they were the first three and yeah. i did not like where they were going and if you listen to the is a transphobic episode on the orville you'll get to hear all of my thoughts on why and i love it was a that garbage representation of right. trans names. that that i agree with but uh yeah i totally agree with you that's fine oh. and you can hey you can keep watching it that's why, Baskin, that's, that's why Baskin. That's why Baskin and Robbins has thirty-one flavors. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I guess I just like the show because I really hate the new Star Trek, <laughs> and I, I just need need a space show. And it's the only show that uh, calms my dog down. She, she sits and she watches like Firefly and the Orville, and she won't move for an hour. I was hour. just gonna say, what about Firefly? I love that show so much. That's all. <laughs> so yeah. Um, um, Take my land, take me where I cannot stay. <laughs> so, oh, thank- Laura is a professional singer as well. Uh, <laughs> just FYI. I want to thank you both for for being here and taking time to do this and Skype in, and I appreciate it. And Ashley, I appreciate you recording on your end. So this is going to sound very clean when I actually cut this together. Um, go see Generation Lazy if you're in New York. Um, I am not in New York anymore, so I can't go. 
um, because I have a job. (laughs) I hate being an adult. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much for having us, Scott. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for for giving me a reason to watch Heathers. Yeah. So until next time, uh, if you want to follow us on the Twitter sphere, we're at Writer's Bagel Basket. <laughs> no vowels, all vowels, no vowels, <laughs> because Twitter sucks. It's W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T. They wouldn't let me have Writer's Bagel Basket. Seriously. I'm not thought, I thought you just said no vowels, all vowels, and I was just like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> What are you communicating? No, I'm with you now. All right. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find us on Instagram at Writer's Bagel Basket. All, everything's there. Everything is there. Um, and email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Until next time, I am Scott Curland. Bye. Bye.